Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody, and happy, happy Friday to you. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you so much for uh, dialing in. Dialing us up. I was going to say tuning us in, but uh, of course, this is podcast only now. And in case you have maybe been away from the show for a week or so, yes, this is podcast only. We're on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule uh, through the uh, the end of the calendar year. So uh, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, but just because we are not live on the air doesn't mean I'm going to stop having great guests. I've got a really awesome guest today, Steve Gardner from USA Today. He's one of the best in the business. He's been around uh, just about as long as anybody in the business, uh, and he's having uh, yet another great year uh, in fantasy. So uh, we're going to get Steve to you know spill the beans and, and you know tell us all the secrets to success. Uh, but uh, now we'll have uh, Steve on the show a little bit later. Uh, this being a Friday show, uh, I will talk a bit about two-star pitchers for Nick next week. I think this might be a little bit of a shorter rundown on the two-star pitchers than usual because it's just not a good week for two-star pitchers. I'm not sure if I'm going to pick any up, to be honest. But I will go over some of the better options that may be available, or at, at the very least, even if they're not available, some two-star options that maybe you have benched and and it's a real dilemma as to whether or not you're going to sit or start them. So that'll be the focus there, but that's going to be much, much later. I uh, do have uh, some news to get to. So getting to it, I shall. Uh, and I promise no more awkward sentence constructions for the rest of the show. Uh, Matt Harvey was uh, claimed on waivers by the Brewers, but the uh, deadline for the Reds and the Brewers to make a deal had just recently expired just prior to the show. No deal was made. So uh, Matt Harvey staying with the Reds and uh, scheduled to start, in fact, uh, this evening. So this is, of course, Friday's show uh, as you're listening in. So uh, maybe even he's already pitched by the time uh, you're, you're listening to this show. Uh, so, uh, and by the way, I, I, I stand corrected. Not this evening. Actually, it's going to be during this show because we have a first pitch coming up shortly. Uh, nope, wrong again. No, okay. No, sorry. <laughs> he is going to be starting shortly against the Cubs. My bad. Anyway, uh, so no Harvey deal there. Still with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, also, uh, a Buster Posey update for you. So it's been a few days now since we got the initial word that he's been dealing with a hip issue for much of the season, that he was probably going to need hip surgery. And now uh, from KNBR in San Francisco, we have this update that uh, Brian Sabian says that the hip surgery for Posey is imminent, uh, that uh, it's, it's probably uh, going to be scheduled very soon, and that uh, the estimated recovery time is going to be probably at least six months. So this was anticipated to be a season ender as it was. Maybe there's even a little bit of impact for 2019. If we're talking minimum six months, maybe a late state, a late start to spring training. And if it's really well beyond that six months, you're probably looking at some sort of impact for 2019. So not very good news for uh, Buster Posey. Uh, earlier in the week, I did a, a rundown on uh, all of your, your catching uh, options, your catching alternatives. 
Uh, so those, you know, still very much apply, including Nick Hunley, who uh, I would expect would get a lot of playing time with the absence of Buster Posey uh, with the Giants. Uh, but, uh, you know, also the likes of um, Taylor Ward with the Angels, who's probably not going to catch much, as, if at all, but he's catcher eligible in some, some formats. Danny Jansen recently called up by the Blue Jays. Those are, you know, two very good higher ceiling options. Uh, one of the options that I've turned to in some leagues recently, not necessarily Posey uh, leagues where I have to replace Buster Posey, uh, but uh, Omar Narvaez, who's really, really uh, taken his game up a notch this year, uh, doing his usual good job of getting on base, but showing a little bit more power. But I'm not sure how much value he's going to have going forward. Uh, now, the, the good news for him and not such good news for Wellington Castillo is that Castillo, who was set to come back from his PED suspension, uh, is not coming back from the suspension. He's been placed on the 10-day DL and is going to be uh, staying with uh, Class A, I'm sorry, Class AAA Charlotte, only now under, uh, well, it's still a rehab assignment, technically. Uh, but anyways, he'll, so he'll be in Charlotte on, a, uh, on the DL on a rehab assignment with no specific timetable on when he'll return. That doesn't necessarily mean it won't be fairly soon. But uh, there just isn't a timetable. So at least for the short term, uh, Narvaez could be uh, a catching option for you, a potential Posey replacement for you. Another name that uh, came up on the short list that I uh, discussed earlier in the week was Mitch Garver. And maybe some good news in terms of his playing time because the Twins earlier on Friday placed Bobby Wilson on the 10-day DL with a right ankle sprain. They have called up Williams Astudio, uh, who was up uh, pretty briefly earlier in the year with the Twins and really made kind of a splash. But um, So he's up, but I would think, even though Astudio probably will see some time behind the plate, that uh, I think that probably would swing the balance a little bit more in the favor of Mitch Garver. Uh, so just something to think about there as well. Uh, Michael Fulmer is going to be activated uh, to start uh, so that he could start for the Tigers today. Of course, he's been on the DL with an oblique injury. According to USA Today, Hugh Darver says that he is happy that he signed with the Cubs and he expects to be fully healthy uh, for the start of the 2019 season and doesn't anticipate that he's going to need elbow surgery. So that's uh, good news, although, you know, there's nothing particularly firm in that statement, but, uh, you know, Good words, uh, positive words from you, Darvish. And speaking of the Cubs, they do have that uh, uh, fifth rotation spot uh, that's that's open not only because of you, Darvish, but uh, Tyler Chatwood on the DL. And I know he was in the bullpen recently, but he's not even an option to go back uh, right now into the rotation. Mike Montgomery on the DL. So they're going to call up Alec Mills from AAA Iowa. It's going to be his uh, first major league start uh, against the Reds. So it's, it's going to be Harvey and Mills starting uh, actually about 10 minutes. So by the time we've got uh, Steve Gardner on here, those teams will be playing. So Alec Mills coming up. Uh, not great numbers at Iowa, though. 4.84 ERA with a 20% strikeout rate. So uh, not you know I don't know how long he may even stay in the Cubs rotation. Uh, but even if he's going to be in there for a while, uh, I would think you're, you're looking at NL only at the absolute best there for, for fantasy purposes. Uh, returning today, Jay Bruce 
uh, and he's expected to uh, play against the Nationals tonight, according to New York Post. And according to MLB.com, uh, Bruce has been playing some first base on the rehab stint and is expected to play both for both first base and right field for the Mets. That's not going to have a major uh, fallout or, or uh, collateral impact on on other players that you're probably using in fantasy because lately it's been Wilmer Flores getting the bulk of the playing time at first base, maybe a little bit of Dominic Smith there, but uh, not you know players that are, are widely owned. And as far as right field goes, that's that playing time's pretty much belonged to Jose Bautista lately. So Bruce certainly an upgrade at either of those positions. Uh, I guess the only thing that really remains to be seen is if he's going to come back and be an everyday player right away or if he's going to get eased back into action. Uh, also, some Mets injury news. Devin Mazzarocco had to leave Thursday's game against the Giants early with a stiff neck, according to MLB.com. And that, so that brings to mind another catcher that you might consider to replace Buster Posey. And that's Kevin Ploiecki, who's really having sort of a quietly nice season so far. Mitch Moreland, uh, he had to leave a uh, game on Thursday early uh, against the Indians. He slid into uh, sort of an embankment uh, along the first baseline and uh, contused his left knee. So while that doesn't sound serious, it actually sounded like a very painful sort of collision. So no word yet on when uh, Mitch Moreland might return. Uh, but obviously, as long as he is out, that's probably a boost to uh, Steve Pierce. So if you're an owner of either of those players or uh, thinking about being an owner of either of those players, that's uh, obviously something to keep a close eye on. And in some other Red Sox news, Eduardo Rodriguez threw four scoreless innings for Portland. Now, that was back on Wednesday. But again, since we don't have a Thursday show, I'm tossing that in here. And it's also worth noting because he is now on track to make a rehab start going up the ladder, going up to AAA Pawtucket on Monday. So I don't know if that means that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to start weekend after this. And unfortunately, uh, well, maybe you get some last-minute news because it is a uh, late lineup block on Monday. I'm assuming that's a day game for Pawtucket. So maybe you get some kind of uh, indication if uh, you could use Eduardo Rodriguez next weekend. Next weekend, but by the same token, probably you're not really going to get uh, a firmer read on that until Tuesday. So probably the the cautious move here is to not plan on using Eduardo Rodriguez for next week. But he could pitch uh, next weekend, so that would be cool. Uh, let's see. Justin Bohr has been placed on the DL by the Phillies. Uh, he's got an oblique strain. Of course, he hasn't been playing very much since getting traded to the Phillies. Christian Villanueva, he has been placed on the disabled list. He has a fractured right middle finger, and that could be the end to his season, which was very up and down, started off on a very high note, really busted out in April with a lot of power, uh, kind of a, a waiver wire favorite early on that had a very protracted slump. Uh, so his season could be over, or I think at the very least we're not going to see him until probably the latter part of September in the absolute best-case scenario. And I'm not sure how much playing time there would be for Villanueva, even if he did come back. So taking his place on the Padres roster, they called up Carlos Asuaje. Uh, not as probably many fantasy owners were hoping for, maybe anticipated they did not call up Luis Urias. Uh, maybe he's a September call-up, but I'm not seeing anything definitive yet. Uh, there for Urias, uh, but part of the issue there is that he's not currently on the 40-man roster, whereas Aswahe was. 
So uh, yet don't uh, queue up that uh, ad for Luis Urias just yet. And Will Myers, he did appear on Thursday as a pinch hitter against the Rockies. Uh, He walked. Uh, Of course, earlier in the week, I think it was on Wednesday, he got uh, hit in the face uh, with a ball while uh, during back during batting practice, lacerated his nose. So it doesn't sound too serious. And uh, no word, though, if he'll be in the Padres lineup tonight. And on the Rocky side of things, Matt Holliday uh, got called up and started for the Rockies against the Padres yesterday. Did go 0 for 3, uh, but, uh, yep, getting the start. So time will tell how that uh, playing time works out for him. But I would say, like, as compared to Jay Bruce, I think it's going to be probably harder for Matt Holliday to uh, crack the Rockies lineup with some regularity as opposed, you know, given his uh, roadblocks. I think probably the, the easiest roadblock to overcome would be Gerardo Parra, who's been sort of splitting time anyway with David Dahl. But uh, I think it's going to be hard to get Dahl out of the lineup, except maybe just, you know, for the occasional day uh, to, uh, you know, basically ensure that he stays healthy. But maybe we see more of Holiday instead of Parra. Maybe we see Carlos Gonzalez getting a little bit more time off, but I'm not. I'm not so optimistic, really, about Matt Holiday getting playing time. And if he does get playing time, I you know nobody knows how he's going to perform after not being in the majors all season long up until just now. Artie Lewecki, uh, he's going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery sometime next week, according to MLive.com. So obviously his season is over. Brewers made a couple of moves that look sort of curious. Uh, but I think these moves are probably not really what they they appear to be. They sent both Keon Broxton and Zach Davies to Low A Wisconsin. Uh, now for Broxton, apparently this was a, a move uh, to so that he has a little bit of time off, but can stay in uh, basically close to to Milwaukee uh, while he and his girlfriend they're expecting a, a baby soon. Uh, so there's an explanation for that one. Zach Davies. Uh, just yeah, I think it was anticipated he was going to be coming back from his rehab, and the rehab clock ran out, and they just don't think he's ready, and maybe they just do want to keep him close to to Milwaukee. Um, I'm just really sort of speculating on that for the Davies situation, but I don't think this is a referendum on their view of Davies that he is a a low class A pitcher. I don't think that's really what's going on there. So just a few bullpen notes, uh, Pat Nishek getting the save on Thursday for the Phillies against the Nationals uh, the, the day before. On Wednesday, it was Sir Anthony Dominguez, but he gave up a walk-off home run. He's really sort of struggled for the last few weeks. So uh, the fact that the, the Phillies went with Neshek and that Neshek uh, successfully did uh, close down uh, the Nationals on Thursday, I think maybe now you're just looking at more of a, a, a co-closer type situation there. I mean, I, I don't know that. Gabe Kapler has ever officially named Sir Anthony Dominguez the, the closer, although he certainly has been for much of the season the, the clear primary guy in that role. But I think that he's losing his grip on that. Uh, also, um, with the Brewers, they demoted, uh, not only did they demote uh, Cam Broxton and Zach Davies, but they sent down Corey Kniebel to AAA Colorado Springs. Uh, so there's really two aspects to that. Uh, one of which that uh, Knievel's just not gotten it together, even in some lower leverage roles. And uh, the fact that they they need to open up a spot, apparently, for Joaquin Soria, who appears to be close to returning uh, and coming off the DL. 
And that that's important, too, because uh, they've clearly got a committee situation there. We've seen a little bit of Josh Hader lately in safe situations. Uh, we've seen Jeremy Jeffress. I don't think there's any reason to think you wouldn't see Soria maybe get a save here and there as well, although probably not often enough to you know run out and pick up, except in any league where it's just anybody who gets a save uh, is, is worth owning. Uh, the only thing I can say is that you know Soria, like when he was with the the White Sox, that he built up such momentum and was so effective that he you know ultimately shut Nate Jones when he was not on the DL but you know still healthy, shut him out of the role. Uh, maybe there's a similar situation that could uh, happen in Milwaukee, but that's obviously just uh, just pure speculation. And uh, for the Padres, Kirby Yates uh, blew a save and. He has struggled in the last few weeks, so there's no movement there yet. But in terms of a situation where closer looks a little shaky, you've got Craig Stammen, who's been terrific in the setup role. So he's looking like a pretty good speculation target, but obviously not not yet uh, a time to quite panic about Kirby Yates. Uh, there's no uh, threat uh, of him losing his job you know, imminently here. So anyways, uh, we've got some weather to talk about for uh, the games later on. We've got some stand-up performances to look at. And as promised, two-star pitchers. But also, as promised, uh, very, very excited uh, to have Steve Gardner on the show. Uh, does great work and has for many, many years with USA Today. Uh, we've got Steve on the line right now. So, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, coming on the show today. Hey, Al. Great to talk to you. It's, it's been a while. It has, it has. I know, uh, and uh, you know, I, just as a side note, I know we had a little offline discussion uh, uh, because uh, I had uh, a member from uh, REM on the show a few weeks back, and he plays fantasy with somebody named Steve Gardner, who I believe spells it exactly the same way. And I thought it uh-huh. had to be you, but it turns out it's actually his band manager or uh, or, or somebody involved with the band. So uh, I wonder so if we, we can switch the- lives for a day. You know, just to, just to see how things work. Well, if I can manage to get Scott McCoy back on the show, uh, <laughs> that'll be question number one for him. But we have the real Steve Gardner on here. So uh, uh, actually, Steve, I want to start with you. I do want to talk uh, uh, at some point here about your your, your teams. Uh, your Tot War, Tot Wars team is just absolutely killing it. Uh, you've got uh, teams in all the labor leagues. So I do want to talk to you about that. But uh, you had a couple of retweets that that uh, got me thinking about certain pitchers and uh, wanted to get your, your your take on it beyond you know, just a mere retweet. So Trevor Williams, and I'll admit, until I saw the retweet from you, I wasn't realizing what a great second half Trevor Williams was having. Uh, an ERA under one, and yet the strikeout rate, or the strikeout per nine is, I think, right around four. And it brought to mind Brett Anderson as well because he's got a very uh, similar second-half profile. So here are a couple of pitchers who are doing very, very well and doing well consistently, and they're doing it while allowing a lot of contact. And with, neither, with, with both pitchers, it's not particularly surprising. But I'm just wondering how interested you would be or are in either Trevor Williams or Brett Anderson uh, despite the lack of Ks. Well, it, it obviously depends on where you are in, in your league and, and what you're looking to, uh, to get from these guys. Um, for a long-term uh, hold and, and hang on to these guys till the end of the season, probably not going to be beneficial to you. But um, the one thing they do have, they both have some pretty decent pitchers' parks. So if they're at home, then they're a decent start. The A's have been 
phenomenal, you know, over the last uh, month or two. So, and Brett Anderson has been part of that. The thing is, though, is that you're really relying on uh, a lot of that contact to be favorable and uh, the batting average on balls in play to be low because they do not strike out many guys, as you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's where, you know, you eliminate a lot of the uncertainty when guys have a pretty decent strikeout rate. But when you get to this low, you know, four, five Ks per nine, that's when you start, you know, rolling the dice every time you send them out there. And uh, for that reason, I don't know that they can truly be trusted if you're trying to, you know, uh, protect your ERA or, or, or WHIP or anything like that. But if you're chasing wins and you're, you know, looking to make a move, then they're not a bad speculation because, you know, as Baseball HQ research has shown, once pitchers have a good start, they're more than likely to have a good start the next time out. That uh, that momentum is something that's real. It is. It is. And uh, to just do a, um, some shameless self-promotion here, I've got a, a weekly column on rotographs called Two Good Starts, Two Bad Starts. And that's precisely the reason I started that. <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, once you've got two starts, you know, you, you potentially have that momentum. Uh, it's a, And it's, you know, it's a tricky thing because you don't want to get behind the curve. But you also don't want to put too much weight in, a, in just a couple of starts. But with you know these two pitchers, they're both widely available, and obviously it's more than a couple of starts. It's like six or seven starts for each of them where they've been very consistently good. Um, now you mentioned that uh, you know the quality contact has to be favorable. So in the case of Brett Anderson, he's getting a lot of chases on bad pitches, so obviously that works to his advantage. Trevor Williams is getting a lot of soft contact, so. Just not really focusing on these two pitchers in particular, but in general, if you see somebody with this profile and they excel in a particular skill area that's not swings and misses, whether it's ground balls or pop-ups or or what have you, um, are you any more interested in them uh, than somebody who maybe, you know, has a, a low strikeout rate, but it's less clear how they're getting it done? Yeah, there's more than one way to to be successful, and I think that's a bit of a trap that we fall into now because you see so many pitchers throwing 95, 97, 99, and uh, it's all strikeouts. There are some pitchers, and and they're few and far between, but, I mean, Corey Kluber's not a guy that's going to blow people away, but he's made a career and a very successful one at that of of pitching, getting soft contact, uh, getting – batters to chase balls out of the strike zone and there are a few of those you know outliers and and brett anderson is one of those guys his problem has been always staying healthy that's what's uh, kept him from being uh, a good pitcher for a long time and trevor williams yeah had a really good start i think uh, the month of april he was fantastic and then you know things caught up to him in the middle months and and now he's sort of uh, gotten back on track so yeah, it, it, um, there, there's more than one way to, to get batters out, and I think we, uh, we tend to overlook these guys just because they're so rare. Yeah, no, they are. And it's, it's a common theme uh, that I uh, hit on on the show here, uh, but uh, you know, it's always good to get somebody else's take on it because I, I, in a way, Steve, I think you're, you're sort of an outlier here in t- among guests that I have because these guys that I bring up, like just an example, like a Brett, Brett or I'm sorry, not Brett, uh, Blaine Hardy. Uh, who had a nice run for a while before uh, going on the DL. And, uh, you know, I'd have uh, somebody on and they say, oh, I'm not really interested in, in him or <laughs> some similar pitcher. So uh, mm-hmm. it's good, good to get a d- different perspective. Uh, Another now, guy, Walker, too, I'll just throw uh, one out uh, if I can. You know, Matt, yeah, Matt Boyd from Detroit, 
the, in the second half of the season, you know, has been incredibly successful. Like a two two five zero ERA, and um, I just just noticed forty strikeouts, six walks. So I mean, he's <laughs> not really blowing people away, and he's not pitching for a really good team. But um, you know, you could jump on that bad wagon and, and ride it for a little while. Yeah, and people should. Uh, and I, I chuckled there because uh, it, it's in my notes that those exact stats. Because uh, <laughs> I was going to talk about his uh, Thursday start against the White Sox, continuing that good trend uh, for Matt Boyd. So I'll, I'll, I'll pump him up a little bit later on. Uh, and and uh, you know, since we're talking about Matt Boyd, and you know, we've talked about a number of pitchers here that are doing well in the second half. Are we deep enough into the second half that we can really take those stats seriously? Or do we really still need to put up a small sample alert at this point? I don't know. It, it depends on if, if you're looking for this year and just looking to finish out this season, then I, I think you can go with it. Um, uh, if you're looking for you know, maybe a guy to keep for next year, then that's where the sample size is not really big enough that you can put a whole lot of stock into it. And I know a lot of people have kind of checked out or are already looking ahead to 2019, so that's more of a concern than just picking up a guy that can help you for a few starts down the stretch. So uh, it it obviously depends on on what your situation is. Um, But I'm not closing the door because I've I've got some teams I'm paying attention to down the stretch. All right. All right. Well, uh, you know, I think that's great advice. And I want to just uh, pick on one more pitcher here uh, who's, uh, you know, putting together a nice run here in the second half. That's Walker Bueller. And I, I've been fairly, I would say, negative uh, or at least not as positive as I think a lot of others in the industry about Bueller because he doesn't get the swings and misses. Uh, and again, you know, he's he's pretty been pretty good at freezing batters. So if there's another way to get it done, that's that's good. But there's nothing quite as reliable as swings and misses. But he's been getting those over the last five starts. So do you think it's, uh, you know, again, sticking with that theme of, you know, after a couple or a few starts where you see some momentum building, do you think it's safe to to start viewing Bueller in a different way now than perhaps we would have a month ago? I think he's definitely a different pitcher from the others that we've talked about. I mean, he does have that upper 90s fastball, so it makes sense for him. You know, uh, I look at a guy like Jordan Hicks, who's throwing 100, but wasn't getting a whole lot of swings and misses and, and getting a lot of strikeouts early on. Um, doing a little bit better now, but Walker Bueller has always had that capability, and um, you know we see the strikeout numbers throughout the minors consistently more than a strikeout per inning, sometimes uh, a sizable amount more. And this year, rookie year in the major leagues, he's over that, and um, he's getting he's he's routinely you know getting those strikeouts, and and now he's starting to put it together. Um, got past the injuries, and I had, to, had that one start before he went on the DL where he just got lit up, I think, by the uh, by the Cubs. But other than that, he's been fantastic. And uh, I, I really am impressed with Walker Bueller. I think the Dodgers have brought him on slowly enough to not put too much on him all at once. And now he's become a really important part of that rotation. So um, in, in terms of, of raw talent, it's there. And he seems like he's learned to pitch, too, uh, even in his rookie season. Yeah, and, and coming back from, uh, I believe that was a, a rib issue, uh, if I'm remembering this right. Uh, yeah, he got you know, hit like a comebacker, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's that just, to me, is even more impressive that uh, he's reached a level after missing a little bit of time with that. 
Uh, well, uh, you're uh, you know reaching for for some pretty high levels in in the Tout Wars NL only league, Steve. Uh, you're right in the hunt there. I think just uh, maybe a point or two out of first and second place. Uh, are, are there any players or, or maybe just strategies that have stood out to you uh, that have really uh, helped you contend uh, in the NL League this year? You know, Al, it's surprising to me. I was looking at my draft list and, and my roster for the start of the season in Tower Wars, it, and it's really surprising the number of guys that have just been zeros <laughs> for me, um, <laughs> that have been hurt all year. You know, maybe I made a speculation like Jimmy Nelson, and it hasn't come through. Um, Luis Urias. I uh, thought, you know, maybe the Padres would call him up early in the season, but he hasn't played for them yet this this year. But you get the core down, and, you know, Freddie Freeman, I had Charlie Blackman, Christian Yelich, you know, those three guys on uh, on offense, and then Aaron Nola, Madison Bumgarner, who was hurt early but came back and, and has been fine. And, you know, I'll tell you what, a lot of people shy away from Rich Hill, but when he's healthy, he's good. And what I thought was was pretty smart, I have to say, of me, is that I backed him up with Walker Bueller, seeing that you know he was probably going to be the first guy from the minors to come up if Rich Hill was going to go on the DL. Walker Bueller was going to get a shot, and um, that's turned out really well for me. So I think you know hitting on those core players, um, I, I think, is really important. And uh, at least for this year in Tower Wars, I've been able to do that and, and avoid major injuries. You know that's that's a great point to uh, to bring up. Uh, you know, and a great great strategy. And just to contradict it, or, or to to uh, create a, a little uh, contrast here, I got I drafted uh, Rich Hill in the mixed league, and mm-hmm. didn't get Walker Bueller. Didn't think about you know a, a handcuff as such. Uh, but I also did get uh, Lance McCullers, and I was not happy about that combination coming out of the auction. That I had you know two of these guys who um, I couldn't really count on for a lot of injuries, couldn't necessarily count on to stay healthy. Uh, and I did trade McCullers before this most recent uh, DL stint. Uh, but, uh, and, I, and I traded Rich Hill for Kyle Freeland, who you also have in the NL uh, league. So um, you know, I'm not sure yeah, that I was... like better at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, it's, it's amazing. Uh, the, the Colorado pitchers have really been good this year, and I think that's why the team is is in such a good shape overall in terms of a playoff spot. And Freeland has been a huge surprise, and and I can't say that I saw anything in him. I know in the NL, you know, you go so deep when you're doing NL only. Kyle Freeland was not drafted, was not taken in the reserve round, and he was wow. just out there as a, as a free agent pickup this season, and so. Uh, you you want to be you want to be smart and make those good moves on draft day, but sometimes those lucky pickups where I just happen to need a, an active pitcher the, one week, and I picked up Kyle Freeland, and I have not taken him out of my starting lineup since. <laughs> well, so you get them both. You get Hill and Freeland. I had to give up Hill to get Freeland, but uh, so that you know he's certainly somebody. Again, you know I think you could probably look to him and say, okay, there's some pitching reinforcements I got very cheaply, and it's worked out really well. So. Um, you know, I'm sure he's he's helped you as well. Uh, any takeaways from your labor leagues? Now you're in all three, right? The mixed uh, AL and NL. Yes, as as the commissioner, I get to choose who's in the league, and and because I like playing in fantasy leagues, um, and so I can keep an eye on everybody. I'm in all of those leagues, so yeah, it's um it, it gives me a chance. And and last year, not to 
be too uh, uh, self-patting on uh, pat myself on the back too much. Um, I ended up winning AL and NL, which is pretty amazing to me. And uh, I'm getting paid back for that this year because I'm nowhere close <laughs> to contending. But I think one of the things that I learned um, from both the AL and the NL this year is that you've got to get that A starting pitcher. It seems like that's so uh, – we talk about that at the beginning of the year and, you know, the the – the guys that are at the very top, the Scherzer, Sale, Kluber, you know, guys like that to try and get to, to anchor your team. I think that's been true because I tried to piecemeal it and get a couple of number twos in the AL, for instance, uh, Masahiro Tanaka, Dallas Keuchel. You know, they're mm. good pitchers, but they're not going to carry me, and they haven't. Um, in the NL, I got John Lester and Johnny Cueto, who I thought would be pretty good. They have not carried me either. So I, I really think that a couple of things that I've learned for this season is even though the prices may be high, I think that getting that ace to anchor your staff is more important now than ever because we're not seeing starting pitchers go deep into games, you know, and you're not going to get those, those wins from pitchers going five innings. Um, and if, if the opener strategy that the Rays pioneered starts to take hold, it's going to make it even more so. So I, I think that's yeah. one of the things that I'm that I'm taking out of this year. All right. Well, you know, I think that's uh, you know good uh, a good thing for all of us to to think about. So, uh, well, Steve, again, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, sharing your knowledge and your experience. And you should pat yourself on the back. Uh, so uh, <laughs> those, uh, those wins are fleeting. So yes, I, I think that's <laughs> that's not a bad idea. All right. Well, uh, uh, Steve Gardner from USA Today. Uh, best of luck to you, Steve, and leagues uh, from here on out. Thanks so much, Al. All right, take care. Uh, so, well, as we get back to uh, some of the standout performances from Thursday and um, uh, two-star pitchers, we certainly need to take a look ahead at that. do have a very important update here. Uh, Mike Trout is expected to be activated and start tonight for the Angels. So, again, you'll need to, to check back in on those lineups, uh, although we do have one lineup in uh, from tonight's games. Uh, and it is the White Sox. They're always early, uh, and it's uh, that's going to be Lopez and Fulmer, and uh, nothing, though, particularly to see there in the White Sox lineup, although Omar Narvaez, who I talked about earlier in the show, uh, he's batting eighth and catching. Adam Engel is batting ninth. I'm going to talk about him shortly because he was certainly a standout performer from Thursday, but before we get to all of that, let me just get you caught up on the weather in case you still have some uh, Friday lineups to uh to finalize uh as you're listening to the show here just one uh night game on the slate that looks like there's a a potential weather issue and that is A's twins uh at target field 60 percent chance of precipitation for first pitch and holding steady there for a couple of hours so it looks like probably a delay rather than a cancellation type of situation uh but uh nonetheless one uh, that you do need to uh to check back in on. Okay, so uh, let's. Uh, I'm sorry, just about to make sure yet that we got the weather taken care of, so uh, we can move ahead here and just go uh, look at some of those Thursday performances. Cole Hamels with a complete game, just one run allowed, seven strikeouts against the Reds. Uh, he's been sensational since getting traded to the Cubs, and he is, you know, with with, with some of these pitchers uh, like. Uh, I would say Kevin Gosman comes to mind where the, the performance has been better. 
but the stats, the peripheral stats aren't really different. <laughs> uh, with Cole Hamels, he really is profiling differently since coming to the Cubs. He's throwing his uh, four-seamer a lot more, uh, whereas with the Rangers, he was throwing it, I think it was about 22% of the time. With the Cubs, he's throwing it almost twice as often, about 40%. Uh, he's getting a lot more ground balls. He's not allowing very much hard contact. And in related news there, he has yet to give up a home run since coming to the Cubs. So, uh, you know, I think what you're seeing from Hamels so far, it looks legit. And to just piggyback off of Steve Steve Gardner's comment uh, from just a few minutes ago, uh, you know, you, you see a pitcher who, you know, has two, three good starts in a row. It's it's worth having a little more faith, and you know, I mean, this isn't some, you know, this isn't like Brett Anderson where you know you're kind of walking a tight wire. Uh, Hamels has been a good strikeout pitcher all year. Uh, you know, he certainly has a a long history of being good. Although the last couple of years were not as good, but uh, you know, I think uh, at this point, I don't see a reason not to start Cole Hamels. Steve also mentioned uh, Matt Boyd. He went six scoreless against the White Sox. And while you can look at that in isolation and say that's a favorable matchup, he has been very good now uh, for his last seven starts. Steve gave you the stats, uh, 40 strikeouts and six walks and 42 and two-thirds innings, only four home runs. And I'm pretty much incapable of talking about Matt Boyd without pointing out the fact that he has been, I think still, uh, as of right now, the best pitcher uh, in the major leagues in terms of limiting fly ball distance. So uh, that's why you've got a, a pretty nice home run ratio there for for Matt Boyd. Uh, Tyler Glass now, not as good of a start as I had hoped for or expected against the Royals, but he did get eight strikeouts in uh, in five innings. So, you know, we will certainly take that. But, uh, you know, one of the sort of creepy concerns that I've continued to have about Glass now is, is he going to be able to keep that walk rate down? And he did walk three batters in those five innings. And this is the Royals. The Royals have the third highest chase rate in the major league. So if you have even decent control, you really shouldn't be giving that many walks out to the Royals. Uh, But in this particular start, the Royals had a chase rate of just 27% uh, as compared to their usual rate of 34%. So little, tiny little red flag there for Tyler Glass now. And Sean Newcomb, he pitched six scoreless against the Marlins with eight strikeouts, but he, too, walked three batters. Walks are something that you have to worry about with uh, Newcomb. The strikeouts generally haven't been there as much lately as they were earlier in the season. Uh, the, the home runs have been an issue, but obviously not against the Marlins. They weren't. But in the eight starts prior to this Marlins start, Newcomb had a, an even six ERA, 6.00 ERA. Uh, and over those 42 innings, just 33 strikeouts, 24 walks. That's a, an alarming ratio. And seven home runs, which is also an alarming ratio over 42 innings. So I am not at all encouraged by just the one good start, the Marlins here. So I'm going I'm to go against the Baseball HQ research here and say, I need to say one or maybe two more good starts from Sean Newcomb and, and probably against uh, some tougher, tougher lineups. As, as far as the batters go, uh, I did mention I wanted to talk about Adam Engel. He had a couple of doubles against the Tigers on Thursday. He's now got 16 doubles on the year. Uh, over his last 11 games, he's got three home runs and a stolen base. And unfortunately, I did not write down the batting average. I want to say it was maybe 340, but he's, he's brought the batting average up uh, over the last 11 games. Uh, Engel does strike out quite a bit, so I don't necessarily expect that to last. But you are... You know, there's the potential there down the road for 
for a little power and speed. Nick Castellanos in the same game there against the White Sox. Two for four with his 19th home run. His slump, he has put that behind him. His uh, last 10 games, he is hitting 410 with three homers. So if you've still got him benched, time to change that. Uh, Odubel Herrera hit his 20th home run of the year on Thursday against the Nationals. It was his first home run in August. He's still batting just 179 for the month. I imagine that without a pretty dramatic turnaround, he's going to continue to lose some playing time to Roman Quinn. Uh, If you want to know more about Herrera and his season, I wrote about him and Michael Franco and also Jonathan Scope. And if that sounds like a weird combination, you got two Phillies and a Royal, or I mean, and a Brewer, uh, there's common link there. Those are three hitters that are all right around 20 home runs who are hitting with a lot of, creating a lot of soft contact and not much hard contact. So uh, rather than, than be a spoiler, I would say uh, check out the piece on Rotographs. And finally, Ahmed Rosario, who's been a waiver wire favorite now for a little while, his second straight 0 for 4 game against the Giants. He is 1 for 13 in that series. Now in the 11 games prior to that series, he was hitting 367 with a couple of homers. Uh, but 10 strikeouts over 53 plate appearances, which is a good ratio, but not to the point where you say, wow, that's this is a different player all of a sudden. I think the, the hot streak probably uh, looked like it was going to end, and it looks like it, it has ended for Ahmed Rosario. So may need to look for, for somebody else off of waivers uh, or replace him if you did pick him up off of waivers. All right, so uh, let me wrap up here with a look ahead to next week's Excuse me. <clears throat> Next week's two star pitchers. Uh, like I said, it's a very uh, disappointing group <laughs> this week. Wish I could put put a better put a better face on it, but uh, you know, particularly in terms of uh, those pitchers that that might be available now. One that might look sort of promising is Edwin Jackson. He's got the Astros on the road, uh, the Mariners at home. That second start might be okay, but. I, I've not really bought into the results from Jackson, and the last start wasn't that great. And then the one start he's sure to get is, is at Houston. So I, I wouldn't trust Edwin Jackson uh, this week uh, pretty much whatsoever. I would say the two pitchers that I'm I'm interested in, and one is probably not available. I mean, this is probably just a shallow league option. Is Hunju Ryan? Hunjin Ryu? And, oh my gosh, I really butchered that. Hunjin Ryu! Can you tell it's Friday? He's got the, <laughs> the Rangers in Texas and the Diamondbacks at home. Not, not terrific matchups. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of variants that you could expect there uh, from Ryu. And that's why, you know, looking at him as one of the better options, that kind of tells you how, uh, you know, not good this pool is. But at least there's some upside there. But frankly, I think I'd actually feel a little bit better going with somebody who is widely available, and that's Brian Johnson, uh, who's about to rock uh, at home against the Marlins and on the road against the White Sox. Very good matchups. He's not been stellar lately, but he's been okay, and that might just be enough in a two-start week with really good matchups. So I think Brian Brian Johnson's probably uh, my, my big target there. And the other one, uh, Clay Buckholtz. At San Francisco, I like that. At the Dodgers, I like that a lot less. Uh, but I just, I, I've really been puzzling over how Buckholtz is getting this done. Uh, just a, you know, pretty average strikeout rate, very low walk rate. Uh, but 
85% strand rate, 257 BABIP. I think he's regression due. Maybe even after the regression, he'll be okay with those two starts. But for what it's worth, I just feel a little safer with Brian Johnson. But I think those are the three you're looking at. Johnson, Ryu, and Buckholtz. And, and I would actually order them as such. Uh, Lance Lynn versus the White Sox versus the Tigers at Yankee Stadium. Good matchups, but I just... I just don't really trust him yet. I mean, the, the hot start with the Yankees seems to have, have fizzled a bit. And uh, Trevor Cahill, probably not available in a lot of leagues, but he's got those same matchups that Edwin Jackson has at Houston versus Seattle. So kind of the same situation there. I certainly like Cahill much better than I like Edwin Jackson, but I don't really trust the consistency. His start on Thursday was not particularly good. And again, starting off at the Astros, uh, yeah. If he's available, I guess I'm putting him in that that short list uh, with Brian Johnson and the others, but I'm not I'm not excited. So, uh, anyways, I hope that's helpful, even if I wasn't particularly optimistic <laughs> about your uh, your two start options for uh, for next week. So uh, I do wish you luck with those. And uh, again, it's a uh, seven Eastern first pitch. On Monday, so I will be soliciting your uh, lineup questions by way of Twitter. If you want to beat the rush and send them to me over the weekend, that's fine. It's Al Melchior BB. Uh, send me your Twitter questions. I'll answer them on the air on Monday and uh, probably answer them on Twitter too, just to make sure you get the answer. But uh, anyways, uh, that's that's a wrap. That is a wrap for this fine Friday. So I hope you've had a great week and. Um, Look forward to seeing you again uh, here, same place, on Monday. So, uh, anyways, enjoy your weekend of baseball, and uh, see you here next week. Take care, everyone.